Welcome to the Plus Six Podcast. My name is Pete, and I go by the name of AFR Weddings Pete on Twitter. Welcome back for the first time this season to a man you know on Twitter as JeppetDT. Welcome to the show, Jep. Hey, Pete. How's things? All good. We are down to just one pre-season game per team, and I'm expecting near full-strength squads. Your thoughts? Yeah, I see it as a positive because it's a the real dress rehearsal before round one. So, yeah, you, you hit the nail on the head there. There's going to be... Full strength sides where possible. Um, obviously, no risk with some players that are potentially have niggles coming into the game. Um, but yeah, it's it's going to be a good look at positions and everything. So I, I see it as positive. Most teams will complete another practice game or two prior to the official preseason games, as well, as far as I can see. We'll share some good news for listeners at the end of this pod. And so just tag along towards the end of the pod and find that out. In the last week, I completed a draft review with projections and outlooks for 2020. Also, I completed an interview with Mitch Cleary from afl.com.au, which is a must-listen for extra knowledge. As always, if you want a plus six podcast cap, just retweet any podcast link that is sent out via Twitter. The next giveaway will be just before the commencement of the home and away season. Also, if you have not been following AFL ratings on Twitter, you are likely behind your opponents already. Jump on and follow. All I ask in return for the content are likes and retweets. Additionally, the fantasy content is flying on aflratings.com.au. If you like deep analysis on breaking news, playing roles, fantasy and injuries, then this is your home for this season. You won't be sorry, especially this year. This is going to be Relaxed Pod, just discussing plenty of off-season topics with Jeb. There are some great questions that came in via Twitter, so thank you in advance for those. Remember, this podcast is focused on AFL Fantasy Classic overall rating. We're going to do a six-pack of questions today, then Jeb and I will add a few more topics for discussion. You all set, Jeb? Yeah, mate. Okay, first question from Ben. Thank you for that. An argument can be made about every player being underpriced, especially in the early pre-season with so much speculation flying around. But what narratives do you buy into most? E.g. injury discount, more set of bounces, new club, poor form in season prior, or breakouts, etc. Over to you, Jeff. Well, on top of that, it's the role. Um, There's the narrative. You know, we we look at what role changes are arised and. If we take um, Williams from to Carlton, the talk about the midfield role, this comes in discounted from injuries pre- previously, so it's a no-brainer there. So we look. At, I, I personally look at the role at the, at, in season 2021 and where that's going to be heading. For me, it's a secure centre bounce usage, and also value in player salaries combined with role. Okay, on to the second question from James. Thanks for that. Is having the best value side more important than having your lineups balanced? Premiums, rookies, mid prices. E.g., four to five premiums in defence forward, or having two to three premiums in both lines. Your thoughts, Jeff? Well, it's obviously where the value is, isn't it? You know, our structures dict- are dictated by the value. Um, so, looking at a, a Hately in the midfield or a Raoul. Um, Cunnington, you know, we could it could potentially be three mid prices, um, but 
where you identify the most value and how, how far you go with that um, dictates the rest rest of your um, structure. So I think value side is more important. Um, it's having your lines balanced. You can you can get it skewed a little bit and, and miss out on a, on some cash earnings or, or points for that matter. I've taken a different perspective. More value may mean a restricted ceiling on points for some players. With so much value about this season, which I feel, it will be interest, interesting to see what structure was optimal in this season review. Okay, on to question three from Ben. Thank you. Now that AFL fantasy has reverted back to two trades per week in 2021, should coaches be looking at limiting the number of stepping stones in their round one side, or simply is there too much value to ignore? Your thoughts, Jeff? No, I think there's too much value to ignore. I think as long as you're hitting real, well, you believe those value picks um, are going to hit scores that are decent, primo, you know, bottom end of the primo echelon, then for sure you go with it. So it's um, it's about earning the the cash and and maintaining the points for the long term. Um, yeah, that the two trades a week is going to sting sometimes, um, but we'll manage it as we always do. Surprise, surprise, I've taken a different perspective on here as well. Uh, For me, the eventual number of quality rookies may influence the way I finally structure up at round one. I'm planning for limited 2020 draftees at round ones making their debut this season. Okay, on to question four from Peter. Thank you. Are North Melbourne players finally relevant, Jeff? Well, it depends. Um, it could be a rookie. Again, it depends where the value is. But look, let's take the rookies, for example. Obviously, a lot of younger kids are going to get a go at North Melbourne, given their high list clean out at the end of last season. So we're hoping for Phillips um, to, to get a decent run and you know get, get the number 29 jersey on draft day. was pretty symbolic in my head um, of where they see him playing. So, yeah, look, I, I think North Melbourne, North Melbourne plays a value. North Melbourne players are very relevant, for sure. Um, it's just whether identifying rooks or the value picks is where it's at. Just on Phillips, he looks elite. So I'm hoping, yeah. and probably everyone else is hoping, that he's good to go at round one. But for me, he's quite elite. Okay, my perspective on this one. New coach, new game style, new roles for some players in premium positions. Quality draftees, what's not to like? Okay, on to question five from James. How will the reduction in interchange affect scores overall, Jim? Oh, it's, it's those players that can play multiple positions, isn't it? So that's what I'm looking at. Mm-hmm. So we've got the players that are going to stay on the ground the longest. And I'll, I'll take one that's been talked about a lot this season is Connor Rosie. You know, he can go in the midfield and play forward. I would suspect... In, in these reduced interchanges that he had more time on ground because of the dual position he can play and, and the multiple roles he can play. So that has to be a factor for you guys, um, for all the coaches out there. Looking at those players and, you know, Dangerfield's another one who can who can stay on the ground longer because he can um, lead up forward, <clears throat> play up a forward role other than the midfield. So that has to be in your prime thoughts. Yeah, I like that. Okay, for me, it depends on which group of players... Uh, the rotations hit the most. For your rotations, increases time on ground, obviously, time on ground percentage, and more scoring opportunities. 
Okay, on to question six from Jacob. And Jacob, you are the winner of the Plus Six Podcast Cup. How many captain options should we have? I have a couple, but need a bit of value across the board, Jeff. Yeah, this has caused me a bit of um, a bit of stress, to be fair. It's good, um, it's it, good, it's good and yeah. very relevant question. Many people forget about, I think. Yeah, look, I think, and let's let's talk specifics. It's it's Neil, it's Gorn, it's Grundy, and maybe throw in another mid. I don't know, maybe an Adams or or a Merritt. So, and they're obviously the highest priced players. So you you need one of them, in my opinion, as a safe captain choice week mm. to week. No doubt about that, that handful. So, um, you know, we spoke earlier about chasing value. First and foremost, we've got to, we've got to make sure we nail this captain pick down um, because, you know, if Neil's scoring 125 a week and we don't have him and we, we've gone for the, you know, a Taranto that was 250 grand cheaper because he was exactly that, 250 grand cheaper, but, you know, Taranto's barely skimming three digits of scores mm. and he was killing it, then we're in a bit of strife. So, um, yeah, you definitely need one of those top echelon players at least. Um, if, if you can have two, great, but um, one one minimum. Well, just to follow on from your point there before I give my thoughts, is that, yeah, you might have made a saving on a certain player, but if you're giving up 25 points, points per game at the captain spot that actually might impact you negatively uh, for the first few weeks until you start to get the premiums in okay my thoughts on the captains many totally disregard this as round one closes in it can't be fewer than three for me and that's also analyzing early season fixtures so for me i want a, a, a comfort level of three options uh, so I won't be hitting two. So that, that probably sends you in a direction of where my structure is going to be ending up closer to round one. So um, it'll be like, uh, well, I'm starting Grundy now. I've put that out on Twitter. That's fine. So there's one I'm comfortable with every week anyway. So, and then there'll be at least two more in my team. I'll throw it back to you with some more thoughts, Jeff. Yeah, that's interesting. Look, so there's, yeah, there's a bit of outlay in that, but again, it's um, the point you brought out the most. It's an extra 25 points a week potentially. So, um, yeah, look, I've got Grundy as well. I think Grundy had a, a terrible season and still dominated um, fantasy-wise. Yeah. So um, I think I think he's a lock. Look, having not having Gorn or trying to fit Gorn in or Gorn would – I'd love Gorn next to him or near him, but um, just can't make it work at the moment. But Gorn's the other one. You know, he's he's looking fit, lean, you know, this extended period of, uh, of of time in quarters. So we're going back to 20-minute quarters. That's going to suit Gorn yep. probably the most. And um, and then, obviously, yeah, you know, Lockie Neal, who commands the footy at that at that team and, and the way they, they play is, is through him a lot of the time. So, yeah, look, I, I'm, I'm maintaining two. I'm trying to fit in two, to be fair. I do have two currently in my current layout, but it changes all the time, as you can imagine. But, uh, yeah, it's it's definitely an important uh, question and, and fact for our sides, and I can see why um, you've given the cap away to, to uh, Jacob there. So, yeah, good point, Jacob. Okay, just on the general description, discussion between Jeff and I. We're going to come up with four points here just to talk about. Uh, going to head back onto the interchange cap. So inter- interchange cap down to 75, Jeff. What impact can you see from a fantasy perspective? Just your thoughts again. 
Yeah, look, it, it's fantasy. We obviously want to pick again. I'll just reiterate: we pick the players that can play multiple positions. Forward mid is is the obvious one, but then looking at those players that sort of come in under an injury cloud or they're slightly underdone, and you know their time is managed in those first few games. We all know that, so um, it probably hinders them a, a little bit more and. Um, I don't think it's going to have a huge impact on fantasy scores, but I, I do go in mind with, or an open mind of thought of saying, all right, especially in this forward line where there's so much value, which of my guys or which of these players can play multiple positions and which of these players really are important to their team structure and, and stay on the ground longer. Um, and that's, that's pretty important. So, yeah, it's interesting. Um, the older players probably stick away from too. Um but, uh, yeah, we'll see how it plays out, honey. My thoughts, extra time on the ground for the number one rucks, as you mentioned earlier with Gorn. So for me, I think that's almost a given that we're going to see these number one rucks in a solo ruck position spend more time on the ground. Uh, players on limited minutes when returning from injury, where you just mentioned there. Adam Simpson and John Longmire have mentioned this in some press conferences they've done throughout the pre-season so I think that's you know Longmire did say that they've actually done some modelling on how that will look like from a um, someone returning from injury perspective so that's something to keep an eye on and not so much not worthy at this stage but you know that might hit one or two players for each team uh, as we progress through the season and possibly a heavier rotation of the midfield I could see so coming to the bench midfielders so your flankers are staying on the ground, your key forwards, your key defenders. So it's just like it's it's like going back to um, obviously previous footage when somebody kicks a goal, they just run straight off the ground. I think those rotations now will be eliminated, eliminated, especially for the forwards. I mean, you know, when you're hot, you're hot. I, I still don't understand it. I've never yes. heard a re- I've never heard a reasonable expectation as why they come off the ground. Anyway, so that's for me. I think. I think they'll save on those rotations, so it, you know that might be the 15 per game right there, um, and maybe just maybe more stay-at-home full forwards and forwards this year. So that's not that's for me. And what I'm thinking there is that you don't want to spend all your energy running up the ground, leading forward up onto the wing and back. So you want to save your kilometres that you have in you for for each game. So therefore, they're going to limit the amount of long leads that you have. So therefore. The AFL get what they want. The full forward stay at home. Your thoughts there, Jeff? Yeah, it's a good point with the um, after goal kicks and, and the like and the stay at home forwards. Look, defend, key defenders and key forwards do play majority minutes at the moment anyway. Um, so, yeah, look, it's it's going to be interesting. Um, there's going to be some tweaks. It's not a huge change, though. So it, um, it just probably means some of the better players stay out on the ground longer, doesn't it? So... Uh, more time on ground, more possessions, more fantasy scores. So, you know, the Josh Kellys of the world, the Taylor Adams, you know, the stalwarts of of each team, um, you know, they just get that little bit more responsibility and, and a little bit more um, involvement, which is great. And just I'll just add one more there, the endurance athletes. The, I mean, the, the Gaffs, the Whitfields, man, they're just going to run people off their feet. So one of my... Um, you know I love a spreadsheet, Pete. So yeah. one of my big points here, and we'll, we'll close this question out on this, is, and I'll read it out to you. 
um, if back to 20-minute quarters, pick gut runners, primos, they were just better to start the season. And absolutely 100% on that. So, yeah, Gaff, Whitfield, Kelly, these gut runners, McRae is, you know, we all know who they are. They're going to adjust better to, to the start of the season, no doubt in my mind. Um, and you probably bets on to start with them in your fantasy team too. Mm-hmm. The stacked Bulldogs midfield, just how to approach it early in the season, Jet? What are your thoughts? It's just, it's a bit confusing, isn't it? I, I still believe one of them is going to go to halfback, but I could be wrong. I know they got Johannesson and, and Caleb Daniel, and they're pretty set, and Williams as well. But, yeah, it's... It's a bit of a it's a good problem to have for, for the Bulldog supporters and Bevo, but um for us as fantasy coaches, we just don't know how it's gonna approach. So we think Dunkley and Bont are obviously gonna get more forward time. You know, even history suggests that. Especially last season, Dunkley, Bont before, you know, he's had his time forward over the years and he can pretty you know, do do some damage up there too. So that's what I'm thinking. You know, Chalor's the traditional sentiment. Um, and I think he his time in, is is traditionally midfield, but Bevo does surprise us from here and there. And, and look, I, I don't have a single bulldog mid in my team mm. to be because I just don't know how it's going to play out. I've yeah, got to see I've got to see that um, that preseason game, and it even still like you know we've been caught before with Dunkley and role changes and and the like. So oh, I just don't feel confident um, ad hoc. Bevo is going to make his calls as as those in form, and again, it's a great problem to have for for Bevo and and us. But you know, we don't we can't have inconsistent scores from our primos. Uh, just quickly, uh, the previous podcast where I interviewed Mitch, we went back and forth on this uh, exact topic. So if you want to go back and listen to that in the podcast, there was a couple of good points raised there by Mitch. Uh, for me, I need more information, obviously, that I'm stacked into the news on a day-by-day basis, but I, I don't have an answer, uh, which is which at this stage of the season, uh, it's quite surprising that you don't, I'm not sort of heading in one direction or another. I just don't have any answers. So I'm willing to keep an open mind. Uh, it's not that everyone has the answers all the time and, and they need to be right. It's just that generally for someone in the, in the news as much as I am, I would have a general feeling by now and I just don't. Okay, I need to also um, see the pre-season game before making a final assessment. And that's not necessarily going to be the final answer what they throw out in that pre-season game. So, and as a guess right now for me, this is just as a guess with no information whatsoever. You know, McRae could spend more time out in the wing, so they rotate Hunter. Um, you've got McRae, you've got Troy out in the wing, and like... You know, Dunkley might go in the middle because it's a contested ball and Bont is in there as well and he just switches forward and, and Lib is just a pure inside mid. So I think his centre bounces might hold and, you know, Trelaw can play in the wing, no doubt, but then you've got Hunter out there as well. So those three might rotate through a wing and it, this comes back to the 75 rotations, how are teams going to use it? And the other thing that I'll throw in there is, is a bit... Beveridge doesn't do the same thing week in, week out. So we're just going to have to spe- expect the unexpected. So if you head down the streets of um, playing in the dirty streets with Bevo and his players, expect the unexpected. And you, not as if you've been warned, but you know it, there might be some type of volatility right there. Okay. 12-day concussion policy. It's now an automatic one game and sometimes two games missed in a normal home and away fixture. Long-term health, player health is a priority for the AFL and obviously for fans and, and the players themselves as well, So, which is great. But from a fantasy perspective, how do we approach that, Jeff? 
Yeah, look, it's it's going to be one of those things where we're just going to have to manage it with our two trades. Um, but obviously, you don't pick someone with the with the concussion history. Um, not that there's plenty out there, but I you know I remember Josh Kelly's had concussions before a couple. Um, there's uh, I think even um, Rosie's had one as well. So. It's just going to be a bit of bad luck if, if and when it happens. Um, we manage it with our trades. I, I don't. It's not deterring me from any any picking any players. Put it that way. Yeah, Lockley into the trades. I don't think you're just you're holding for one or two weeks. Uh, and there's not much we can actually do about it except for just adapt that that's just part of the game. And from the fantasy landscape, you just you know, yeah. Hopefully you just clear of it. And obviously from the players, like you don't want any concussions. But unfortunately, it's a part of the game with the high con- high collision and contact in our, uh, the sport of Australian rules football. Okay, on to our final discussion point, Jep, for this podcast. What position positions do you see the biggest value in right now? What order would you rank them in out of, obviously, we've got the rucks, forwards, defenders, and midfielders. So what order, one, two, three, four, have you got? So forwards, number one. Absolutely, no doubt. We're going to differ on this for sure. Mids, number two. Rucks three, yeah, and uh, defenders four. Your spreadsheet broken? No, no, it's still working. I think. <sighs> What's yours? Hit me. Well, my forwards are fourth, and they're bought fourth by like Whoa. Out the, they're out, out the door in a different country in a different universe. I think. I love. Uh, it. I, I look. I, I love having a different team to you, Pete, and we always do. <laughs> but geez. it looks like they're poles apart. Defense is number one. Clearly, number one for me. Yeah, wow. Okay. See, I I have less... Co- there's obvi- there's one or two obvious ones, um, and I, they're, in, they're in my team, but um, in terms... But that's it. But there's the depth. It's the depth of, of potentials in, in that forward line that I like, and it's those players under 600 grand that I, I'm specific on um, that, are, you know, that are obvious to many. So... Um, you know, the Ruckman as well, not many people talking about one particular Ruckman that comes cheap. Um, we'll probably talk about it on another podcast. But, yeah, look, defence, especially in recent weeks, you know, there's the obvious Zach Williams. Um, and then there's one that you've talked about recently as well that's I think will be in a lot of sides come round one. James Hart. Uh, yeah, that's the one. So, look, if he's inside mid... I think it's the biggest lock of the season, even bigger than Zach Williams because he's two, almost 200 grand, well, 150 grand cheaper. So, yeah, it's um, other than that, I'm not seeing t- too much else value in the in the back line, and I'm sure we can expand on this during the weeks before round one. But um, yeah, that's me order, mate. Defense number one, obviously, back onto that. So that's locked in for me, and I don't think I'm changing from that. So I'm going to actually put the Rucks at number two, and here's why. I think, you know, we look at ownership in AFL fantasy, and it's a broader ownership. So for me, and I mentioned it last year's pod as well, you know, the 5, 10, 15,000 people that actually can win this overall, and this is what this podcast is about. I suspect we're going to see an ownership for Proust be well under what, you know, the so-called, you know, Sharps start with. I think the majority of contenders, or those that think they contend this, that can contend for this year's title, will be starting with Proust. Now, if you go down a different direction, mm-hmm. you're you obviously creating a unique lineup for those that think they can win this year. 
So for me, it's, it's rock and it's proof. It's 50% that I've got that as value because it's proofs. M most people are going to have proofs and there are only two positions on field and 50% is value and I think that's quite high and it, it's pretty much going to be the proofs factor in there. So proofs and someone else will be quite popular. So heading down a different direction, then if you're not including proofs, I don't think there's value that much there. There's a little bit if you go unders, but if you want to, you know, instead of going Prus and one top liner, like a Grundy or Gornis like that. So if you have two, you know, in between is there, you start to remove your captain option. So that's something that I'm not willing to do. So that's where I can, Ruck is number two. Midfield for me is three. And I think it's a strong three too. I'm pretty bullish about uh, the midfield and what value lies in there. So it could be a, a bit number two for me, but I think if you're going for the Prus, situation there i think that's strong enough for the ruck to beat number two so midfield i'm still still bullish on it and forwards for me different universe i, I just think they're really struggling to find value uh and a, a lot of those um players under 600k i like i just you're playing with a lot of fire if you want to head down that direction now some of those players that in, include where you think there might be value I mean, it might be a Franklin, it might be a Danaher, and those types. Now, do you really want to rock with key forwards heading down for an entire season? I'm not too sure you do. Obviously, um, Danaher has had his injury issues, issues, and Buddy just hasn't played at all pretty much for the last couple of years. So if you're considering those players as value, would, would I be correct that you're, they're in your group of value players, Jeff? Uh, you missed the one I do have, but it is a key forward. There's Jeremy Cameron as well. Yeah. So I wouldn't. Um, yeah, I wouldn't be starting Cameron no way. Yeah. So look, I just um, if we look at that 20, 20 average uh, change of well, well, where the value is and the rule of thumb openly discussed is is can they plus twenty on their average of last season? No. I think Cameron can. Um, but I agree with you, Danaher and um, and Franklin are just too risky. But I don't mind the key forward in Jeremy Cameron. Um, yeah, look, I, I, I've, the primos is what unsettles me for the forward line. Um, you know, we got danger under injury clouds. We don't know where Dunkley's role is. We um we got Dusty that can be sporadic and up and down. Zorko, yeah, okay, fair enough. Um, solid. Walsh is another one that was solid and then got injured midway through last year. Um, Hawkins, what does the Jeremy Cameron factor do for him? Mm. And that's and then it's sort of daylight. Then we we're forced to to search for value. I think. Um, so yeah, look, that's good, mate. We we like diversity. I I hate having vanilla teams for the majority of AFL fantasy coaches come round one. I, it really gets under me. And and having this diversity is fantastic. It really is. I, I and you know there is value in defence for sure as well. Uh, no doubt about it. So one of the questions from from Twitter and our listeners before is um, where the, where the valley lies, and and that really dictates the structure. So. Yeah. That's what I'm looking for, and um, yeah, we'll uh, see how the weeks progress. So if you remove Cameron, Franklin, and Danaher, do you think the forwards have value? Yeah, I do. I think Caldwell's, you know, a, a real obvious one. Um, his points per minute at the Giants, he's a hungry footballer, and his points per minute at the Giants were, was great. Um, 
just lacked the time on ground. And then, you know, Rosie, Rosie is one I've mentioned earlier, and I just I struggled to go past him, 518,000. Um, so, yeah, I, I do believe there's, there is value there, um, for sure. It's, it's just seeing how these roles play out and how their fitness levels are and, and being confident in those picks. Like, again, I, and I share your sentiment, what you said earlier about having too many. You know, you don't want to have a forward line full of mid-prices because you're going to be chasing tail. You're not going to nail every single one and there's going to be a, a guaranteed burnt trade in there. So, yeah, three max, three, four, well, four's really pushing it, but three max, I think, and um, there'll be a few commons amongst the other, or well, the wider fantasy community, I should say. Good first up pod, Jep. So we'll just end it. Uh, this season there will be an extra plus six podcast every week of the home and, away, home and Away season. That's right, an extra podcast. That's two. It will be designed to provide extra information in order for you to take your game to the next level. The pre-season podcast schedule will be slightly random. So keep an eye on your favourite platform for new pods that land. Okay, Jep, that's it for episode 57. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Thanks, everyone.